0: Well, it's that time of the day again, a podcast listeners. You're with I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson here on Market Scale Radio. Glad to have you join us today. Uh, really excited, you know, we've got somebody from one of my favorite towns in, in the United States, Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. Say hello and welcome to Dr. Joseph Pezzona. Dr. Pezzona, welcome to I Don't Care. Thanks, Kevin, I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, glad to have you. You know, we've talked a lot about telemedicine on I Don't Care from more of the technological standpoint, but really haven't talked to a lot of physicians about their, you know, hands-on practice in telemed. And I got to be honest with you, you've got some interesting aspects I really want to explore. But really, I want to let you, you know, tell the listeners about yourself, kind of a little bit about your practice and things like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm originally from New York and um, only a physician in my family. Uh, on, a, on a whim, I applied to a medical program at Northwestern, and uh, I guess they, they needed some guys from uh, the New York area, so they let me in and uh, spent really all my training at Northwestern from undergrad through residency. I uh, didn't know what a urologist was. Frankly, I thought I was going to be a pediatrician because I, I love kids, Okay. But I quickly, I quickly figured out I don't like other people's sick kids, so I <laughs> uh, <laughs> had, uh, had a surgery rotation and met a couple of urologists, I'm like, you know, these guys have fun. Uh-huh. They actually they love what they do, and they've been you know they've been doing this a long time, very academic but yet down to earth. Uh, everything from chronic conditions to very intricate surgeries, uh, mm-hmm. and so just really fell in love with the field, uh, and you know decided I, I really loved clinical care. Uh, I, I really thrive in direct patient uh, experiences. So went out into the private world, uh, was out in Washington state for about eight years at a multi-specialty group, and was in, you know, a a relatively rural area, Uh, beautiful place to live, but you you start seeing the challenges Mm -hmm. of practicing. You know, when you're trying to practice cutting edge, you know, medicine, and you're in a community that struggles to uh, attract new growth you know that struggles to bring in new industries that struggles to mm-hmm. you know keep uh keep public schools up and you know, all of a sudden that has a downstream effect on hospitals. You have a harder time recruiting yeah. ancillary staff. The hospitals have a harder time, you know, making, uh, making their budgets. And, and medicine, mm-hmm. despite what most people think, you know, the margins are pretty tight for some of these places. Yeah. It's not exactly. like everybody's rolling, rolling in dollars. Um, there's yeah, big numbers thrown around, but it's not between, you know, uh, it's not, not seeing the doctors and it's not sticking with the patients.
0: Right. All my friends think, you know, hospitals have money to burn. So how big was the community in Washington State where you were?
1: So we were in uh, Wenatchee, Washington. It was about, um, you know, 60,000 people in the town proper. It was a catch area, probably about Uh, 200,000. We're really in the middle of the state and uh, very isolated geographically. Okay. And it was a it was a wonderful community, wonderful place. But I could see some of the challenges. Yeah. And yeah, uh, was I, that
0: hospital aligned with a large system? It was independent,
1: you know, it was really trying to yeah, hold on okay. to that independent nature, Kevin, you know, because as we see the shift, uh, you being you know, aligned with Ascension, you know, it, it's, uh, it's hard to, it's hard to do business unless you really are part of a larger entity. So they, they really had a lot of pride and still to this day, I'll give them mm-hmm. credit Are still an independent uh, facility, but still, yeah. still with its challenges.
0: It, you know, it's so difficult doing that. I spent some time in, uh, in a more rural setting, in outstate Nebraska, but fortunately, we were a part of a large Catholic system, and so we were able to do, you know, to recruit the appropriate subspecialists, and we were able to really advance, you know, cutting-edge care that people wouldn't expect in t- in a town of 30,000 people. And much like, you know, your your outstate your your Central Washington State uh, location, our catchment area was about 350,000, and so. You know, a lot of people relied upon us for their primary and specialty care so, uh, but you know, and that just shows the kind of the dichotomy between independent hospitals and hospitals that are aligned with systems and particularly in a, in a more rural setting. So, well, very interesting. So how long have you been in Nashville? So I've been here about two years. Um, okay. I had
1: a quick stopover in, uh, in Alabama. And again, you know, an area that was uh, a little bit more rural with sort mm-hmm. of limited resources and, um, you know, wonderful community, great people. But again, when you're in an area where there is not an influx of new industry, uh, new people coming to town, innovation, it, it's a challenge. And yeah. I, and I, and I contrast that to where i am now in nashville which is you know really in my opinion the the hub of healthcare in this country uh i mean it really is dallas
0: fort worth might argue with you <laughs> but i i understand i understand <laughs> all
1: right well uh, we, we, we can we we'll can agree, agree to disagree. disagree on that one oh, there we, we go yeah,
0: okay.
1: dallas is wonderful as well but uh no i feel so fortunate to be here in nashville Good. it is uh just an incredible, vibrant medical community, and so many, so many startups outside of direct patient care, and obviously, so many large hospital systems are based here. HCA, Ascension mm-hmm. being two of them. Um, you know, CHS, LifePoint have uh, big presences here. So it's uh, it, it's been great, and you also, with that, have a very savvy, uh, discerning patient base, you know, so there really is an opportunity for, for physicians and providers to innovate and, and really grow a practice and provide things because people expect it, you know, and yeah. there's, there's good competition, which I think is very healthy.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And again, uh, as I said earlier, love Nashville. Actually, lived a couple of hours north of there years ago in Elizabethtown, Kentucky. So yeah. had the opportunity to spend quite a bit of time there and, and really enjoy it. So, so as I said, you know, we've talked telemedicine a lot on I Don't Care, and, but mostly from the technology side. So I was really interested when uh, when we we started talking to you about about being on the show. Uh, And I'm familiar, certainly, with with telemed, again, when I was in outstate Nebraska and Kearney back 20 some odd years ago, we had the largest telemedicine, we were the largest telemedicine hub in rural America because of our large catchment area, the same thing. And so I got to be uh, uh, pretty well involved in telemed back then. Um, But, you know, it kind of ebbs and flows. Uh, Came here to Texas and back home and, Texas had not been very open for telemedicine, uh, from a regulatory standpoint until fairly recently. And certainly COVID has accelerated that, but I got to be honest, you know, I'm real, I think I'm pretty well versed in primary care telemedicine, but I can't wait to hear how does a urologist practice in the telemedicine world?
1: (laughs) So, yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. You know, um, so why why urology? why telemedicine? so you know uh, first to answer how, how does urology you know how do you implement telemedicine
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know believe it or not kevin I'll, i would I would argue that short of, you know, that acute patient who needs, you know, a urologist's hands to put in a catheter when nobody else can, mm-hmm. that kidney stone patient who is writhing around in pain and needs that, that, that kidney unblocked, that a urologist's most valuable skill is our wisdom in an area of medicine where a lot of people lack proper education. Okay. You know, for better, for worse, uh, you know, urology education is, you know, lacking in a lot of uh, facilities. I was blessed at Northwestern. It was a focus from even when I was a medical student. I think that attracted a lot of great talent at Northwestern. But you know, a lot of people just kind of go, ooh, it's down there, Uh, go see the urologist. And, you know, I I remind people, I'm not that bright. I'm just a plumber. It's not that complex, but yet it's amazing how many people just really you know, uh, turn turn a blind eye to it. So, uh, I'd argue that our greatest skill is really our wisdom, okay. and and our ability to counsel. And you know, the the conditions that we treat, Kevin, erectile dysfunction, urinary incontinence, bladder infections, mm-hmm. you know, uh, prostate cancer. These these are things that people need reassurance. These are embarrassing conditions. They're mm-hmm. painful conditions. They're very sensitive conditions. And, uh, you know, there's a lot in medicine. You know, how much do I help people? I don't know. You know, we, we don't have a lot of data. You know, people think that doctors do everything based on all this robust data that's out there. And you can go and find data on, on a medical condition that's both for and against a treatment. You know, prostate mm-hmm. cancer being one of them. Should we treat uh-huh. it? I don't know. Uh, but I look at it as my job as a urologist to really counsel people with compassion and empathy and expertise so they can make a better decision. Okay. So they're not relying on Dr. Google. So uh, I see a lot of urology as counseling. And so, uh, you know, there's very few opportunity or very few opportunities. Uh, times where I, I physically have to touch a patient to help them with their problem okay. so I, I looked at it as uh, hmm. urology is perfectly suited for telemedicine um, especially as we look at an impending uh, an impending what i'm going to call a crisis we're, we're going to be short kevin it's anywhere from seven to nine thousand urologists in this country hmm. by the year 2025. interesting Yeah, I mean, that's a big number. And, you know, we're only training 300 urologists a year, and it's very expensive to train people as a surgical specialty. You know, you you need enough surgical volume at academic centers to properly train surgeons. We haven't, you know, parsed out, you know, office urologist versus surgeon, everyone coming out is the same, Mm -hmm. but yet we don't have the supply to meet the growing demand of our aging population. And that's where I think telemedicine can bridge the gap.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's really interesting. Okay. I'm going to ask a question and I, you know, why do you think that more medical students aren't going into urology? Is it because it's because the slots are limited or just lack of interest or what?
1: It's it's limited slots. I mean, okay. more often than not, there are more applicants than there are positions. Mm-hmm. You know, urology is very is highly competitive, and uh, I don't know what the latest data is. But I think when I went through about uh, you know 13 plus years ago, you know there were probably about. Uh, a quarter of, of applicants did not get a urology spot and had to pivot and, and do a okay. career change um, but yeah i mean it really comes down to uh the fact that you know major academic centers are the the centers of where graduate medical education is occurring especially in surgical fields you're starting to see some of the the private um, and more uh, non-academic places like Ascension, like HCA have their own residency programs.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and
1: they're gonna need to because they're not gonna have doctors to work at their hospitals wow. unless wow. we solve this. But with urology, it's such a, a disparate number that we're headed toward. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way I looked at it even pre-COVID uh, was I've got to figure out a way to scale me, scale me as a urologist. And right. uh, nurse practitioners, PAs, and, and other advanced, uh, advanced care practitioners is, is one way. But mm-hmm. we've also got to figure out a better way to triage urology problems. Because you know I look at it as an upside down funnel. Mm-hmm. And the urologist has to be at the bottom of the funnel. Because again, we're the ones with the surgical training. So when you have a kidney stone, sure. there's no doubt you need me. But if you just have, you know, some issues in the bedroom and just want some reassurance up at the top of the phone, mm-hmm. you know, I think through telemedicine, you can better utilize the workforce yeah. and also help train other providers to, to sort through those issues because they're important. People care about these things and they want them addressed.
0: Right. So, so tell me a little bit about your, you know, your individual practice. How is it designed to to be able to do
1: that, yeah. So, so Kevin, I'm, I'm really working on two, two, two different entities right now. So I've got my my solo practice here in Nashville, which I just uh-huh. opened four months ago, Pizona MD, and we're really looking to uh, digitize medicine. We are looking to streamline the uh, the process and really eliminate a lot of the obstacles that are are that are encumbering our healthcare system so you know i utilize virtual assistants Uh, my phones in my office are quiet because i have two well-trained people answering the phones and you always get a human being on the phone you don't just get some automated service Um, all of our forms are online and uh you know then when you come and see me you've got my undivided attention because i have a scribe because i have a very efficient uh ehr and so I'm trying to, to do that to better utilize my time, but as I grow and scale, my goal is to utilize more telemedicine. Uh, as a new practice, obviously, I'm able to see everybody. Sure. Um, but what I've also created is, is a uh, right now a urology specific telemedicine company called Virtue Care, which is going to be a which, which is a direct to consumer cash based delivery system where we're going to provide expert urology care from the comfort of your home. Okay, you don't need a referral, you don't oh. need to worry about insurance, um, you know, you want expert care now. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, Uh, You may not have access to a urologist. 60% of counties in the U.S. have no urologist.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: You may have a urologist, but he's so darn busy because there's not enough of us to go around. You're lucky to get five minutes of his time. And and as a doc who's busy myself, we have so many distractions in, in an office. And so I really feel telemedicine, by eliminating travel, eliminating insurance companies, by having some actual cost transparency in medicine, which is sorely lacking, you can make an an informed decision and say, hey, I'll I'll pay $89 to have an at-home visit with a board-certified urologist. And then my goal as that deliverer of healthcare in this setting is is to say, I'm gonna take you as far as telemedicine can go and if we get to a point where you need somebody else i'm going to then get you in touch with the very best urologist in your area to fix your problem because maybe now you need that procedure for your incontinence or enlarged prostate and and i'm not incentivized to do a procedure on you because i make more money you know Mm -hmm. i'm i'm doing what's best for you as the patient and i really think that's missing in our fee-for-service system so I, i really see telemedicine as as a necessity, but also an improvement on mm-hmm. what we're doing. So I don't look at well, this as a fad. It's something that's I think going to deliver better healthcare.
0: Yeah, and I totally agree with you. And this gives you the opportunity to maybe contract with hospitals, you know, in, in rural America to extend your reach. And and what a great idea that is. So, uh, and you're right. I mean, it is so difficult, even in you know larger areas you know like a waco like a dallas fort worth it's very it's, it's always been very difficult to to attract and retain urologists um and so uh, i think you, i definitely think you're onto something so so okay let's kind of shift gears a little bit back to the global telemedicine thought um, you know as as vaccines are, are rolled out and as you know everything starts to open back up from uh you know economic standpoint community standpoint In your opinion, what aspects of telemedicine do you think we ought to continue? Yeah,
1: I mean, I I think exactly what I was alluding to before Mm -hmm. with the idea of anything that can be done via telemedicine, we should continue doing. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, during COVID, we've seen the the danger of of going in hospitals and going to doctor's offices. Um, I think what it's also shown the public is, hey, you know, you can have a connection with somebody via uh, an audiovisual platform. Um, you know, mm. uh, I, I feel as connected to you right now, Kevin, as I would if you and I had met in person. Yeah. Um, and, and so, I think the 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 pandemic has shown the power mm. of this. And, you know, I, I think a lot of folks are going to kind of go back to old ways and listen, I'm not at all arguing that there's any replacement to a in-person patient-doctor relationship with somebody you trust. You know, there's nothing better for me than when I walk in and shake a patient's hand mm-hmm. and then use a lot of hand sanitizer, of course. Of oh, cool. um, <laughs> And, and can really, you know, give them that reassurance. There, there are certainly things that you can't replace with that human touch. But we have to think smart. We have to see the impending crisis that's ahead. Mm-hmm. And so I think any opportunity to continue utilizing telemedicine, we, we should take advantage of that. Yeah. So I look at it as what's, you know, we should be looking at the opposite. What, what are the only things we can't do without telemedicine? Good point. You know, that's a new, that's probably a, a smaller list, and then this way people can better discern. Like, all right, I have X. I really need to go in person. This is a big mm-hmm. deal. This is not appropriate for telemedicine. Yeah. But otherwise, uh, there's nothing wrong with with starting conversations and getting access to providers.
0: Yeah, and, and I and I would agree with you because this also helps healthcare as a whole push towards. The concept of consumer-driven healthcare that we've talked about for yes. decades—that nobody, nobody really wanted to to make the concerted effort to push that forward—and now, you know, with with the younger generation being even more impatient than mine, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they want to be seen uh, in a in a very convenient environment. Uh, On their own terms. And so telemedicine certainly allows that to happen. Oh, it
1: absolutely does. And, you know, the biggest complaint I get from patients who've seen other doctors is um, I don't have access to the doctor. They, they didn't listen to me. The, the, I had to wait so long. It's all those obstacles we all know about, um, along with insurance companies, you know, people are tired of, of paying these high premiums and mm. then finding out down the road, like, Oh, you purchased a high deductible plan and I'm sorry, yeah. but you still owe X thousand of dollars for this, you know, procedure. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so I think we, we well, I know we need more cost transparency. You look at what they're doing at the, uh, I believe it's a surgery center in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. where you go on their website and you can see, all right, our hernia repair is going to cost me X and my gallbladder surgery. Yeah, That's fantastic, Kevin. That is what we need mm-hmm. because, you know, for too long in medicine, it's been this monopoly money. It's, it's you know, doctor says, I'm going to order some tests. And the patient says, well, does my insurance cover it? Yeah, I think so. All right, yeah. let's do it. <laughs>
0: yeah, And then, you and get, and then the patient starts getting all the bills behind that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: yeah. And I mean, listen, as someone who just opened his own practice, I mean, it it, it is confusing. I mean, you have all these different carriers and, you know, mm-hmm. they go by different names and each person's plan is specific. And so. Uh, I mean, most of my staff's time right now is figuring out who's eligible for what, who we're in network with, and Absolutely. and all all for a profit-driven industry. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I don't know if I don't know if we should be rewarding that aspect of healthcare in, in a profit-driven setting. I, I mean, I'm all in favor of incentivizing innovation, incentivizing mm-hmm. new surgeries, and medications. Yeah. Exactly, but for something in which you're just skimming off the top, mm-hmm. um, I, we, we need to fight that. And that's yeah. really what I'm, I'm trying to do in the long term here with uh, with this direct-to-consumer telemedicine in, in the specialty setting.
0: Yeah, uh, Very interesting. Yeah, well, and, and you're exactly right. I mean, you think about healthcare is, you know, one of the very few industries that, you know, you're buying a product, you don't know what it costs you. Yes. And, uh, and so... Yeah, I remember, you know, years ago trying to, uh, trying to even figure out costs back in the, you know, 25, 30 years ago uh, of a specific procedure. You know, so difficult because everything was convoluted. Fortunately, we've we've come a long way, but Mm -hmm. we still haven't come far enough to where, you know, a consumer can basically, you know, shop services by cost, quality, you Mm -hmm. know, reputation, whatever their parameters might be. And so, but, yeah, you know, hopefully someday we'll get there uh, and, and honestly I think that's one of the positives of the pandemic is the is the impetus around telemedicine and really making you know that's just one of the the many innovations that have come out of this that, that I again I think are, are just going to do nothing but be a benefit for everybody so well hey any any final words no, I mean,
1: uh, you know, Kevin, I appreciate the opportunity. I, I yeah. agree with what you said. You know, I, what I'm going to challenge everybody is to, you know, we've got enough, uh, enough hatred in the world right now. And we've got a, a lot of negativity. And there's no doubt this pandemic has been devastating to, mm-hmm. to lots of folks and, and, and at, the, at the very best challenging for the rest of us. Um, but I have a lot of hope. I have a lot a lot of hope and I really I really want to second what you just said that I think this pandemic there's a silver lining and that it has sparked innovation mm-hmm. and so I'm really excited to see where healthcare is going and I really I really hope it continues and 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 forces forces people and the public to to take control of their healthcare decisions you you've, yeah. you've let your healthcare decisions fall into the hands of of these other entities, the insurance companies, large systems you 've for too long said uh, whatever whatever you think, doc you know we have a very savvy public out there, and so i 'm all about engaging patients, educating them, and and being a resource and I challenge all of my colleagues out there as well. Um, you've got ideas i know you do and i'm looking for good partners here and i know you're out there um we're so beaten down you're so exhausted and you feel that there's no hope but there is uh and and i was there not too long ago you know Mm -hmm. i'm here today because i went through challenges and um uh i I want to be the person i am today i want to be doing the things that i'm fighting for if i didn't go through those those tough things that are in medicine so so I'm th- I'm I'm very grateful for the opportunity, Kevin, to chat with you, and I'm really excited to see where where telemedicine's headed.
0: Yeah, as, as am I. And, and what kind of host would I be if I didn't allow you to, you know, give us your website in case somebody wants to uh, wants to engage with you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, If you want to reach out to me directly, you could uh, just shoot us an email. It's hello at Pazonamd.com. That's a -A -A. P-A-Z-O-N-A. And that'll just get us, uh, get an email over to me and my staff here in Nashville. If you're interested in learning more about our telemedicine, uh, the company's name is Virtue Care. V-I-R-T-U-C-A-R-E. And uh, the website is myvirtuecare.com. We are uh, currently piloting in Tennessee, Alabama, and Florida. And uh, we're looking to quickly scale so we can deliver this fantastic care from the comfort of your home in all 50 states.
0: Well, that sounds great. Well, again, Dr. Joseph Pizzona from Music City, uh, telemedicine urologist. Boy, you've just got a lot of a lot of uh, identifiers right there thanks so much for being on i don't care today with, with me and, and listeners remember you know how you can uh, you know how you can access us we're on live on market scale radio uh every friday morning at 9:30 central time and then soon thereafter uh we're down we're dropped to uh spotify and itunes so as I always send every show, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, why not? So with that, I'm Kevin Stevenson. Thanks for joining I Don't Care and we'll talk to you again next week.